I just hope and pray you folks at all the campuses just had as much fun as we did worshiping the Lord. Come on and praise his name. Come on and praise his name. Revival is back in the air. Would you just uh, help me welcome all the campuses? I'm gonna say them all first and then we'll give it up. I'm talking about Hillsboro, Sanford, Garner, Kenya, online campus and the folks here at Durham. Now welcome everybody and just let them know you're glad they are here. So, so good. I just want to give a shout out to all the Rooted graduates. We had a great online, yeah, Rooted graduation on Friday night. It was an incredible experience and just so proud of those of you who went through that. Um, hey, let me, let me just go and tell you a little bit about where we're going. Um, I hardly ever tell people uh, who's speaking at New Hope on a Sunday. We get calls and stuff. They don't, not much anymore because we, we stopped it a long time ago. We don't, we don't tell people who's speaking because we don't want people to come to church based upon who's speaking. Can I get an amen? Right, you know what I'm saying? And so we don't tell when guest speakers are coming in, things like that. But I do want to tell you today, I just felt led to tell you, a week from today, one of the finest biblical teachers on the planet one of the greatest communicators on the planet is speaking up in New Hope Church. I'm talking about Clayton King, and it's going to be, yeah. You do not want to miss next Sunday. Then the following Sunday is May 9th. Can we give it up for the mothers here today? Give it up for the mothers at all the campuses. That's Mother's Day. And uh, I'll be back teaching, and I'll bring up the, the end of this series. This is for everyone. And moms, we're going to have some treats for you. And if you're watching online, moms, come on out with your families. we got some treats for you that particular day. And then the following Sunday, really want to let you know about this, May 16th. So we got a, a strong run ahead of us. On May 16th, I am starting a series called Mindset. If I am convinced of anything coming out of 2020 and what we've been through and what I've been through, it is the importance of mindset. It is the importance of taking captive strongholds and negative thinking, stinking thinking is what I call it, that will jack your life up, coming under the authority of Scripture. It's going, there's going to be some scientific perspectives to it. We're going to actually do some neurological study of the brain. The brain is the most amazing organ in our body. We're going to be looking at that under the authority of God's Word, and uh, I'm just really excited. The subtitle is Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. Mindset. Change your thinking, change your life. we got a strong strong run ahead of us. Everybody say, this is for everyone. Um, I, I have a very vivid memory of my childhood. Um, a lot of things I don't remember in my childhood. Um, but one thing I do remember is uh, being 11 years old. So vivid. One of the most vivid memories of my childhood. And my mom and my dad coming into my bedroom. I shared a bedroom with my, with my brother. And uh, coming into our bedroom and shaking the bed and saying, get up. We're going to church. Now, you, you got to understand, like God never was a part of our discussion. Church never was a part of our experience. And I, I remember thinking, like, did I fall asleep in the wrong house last night? What is going on? And then, and then my mom, when she turned to walk out of the room, I remember her saying, find something nice to wear. And so I remember getting up and going into the closet and trying to find something nice to wear. 
Now, there's nothing more awkward than trying to find church clothes when you don't go to church. And so we all, the Kelly family, five of us, we all tried to dress up. My dad was wearing, you see these guys, they still come to church. They think they have to dress a certain way. My dad was wearing a dress coat that was about three sizes too small. I had on these door, I felt like a dork. I mean, just a dork. And um, we, we got up, we, we loaded up into uh, our car and we went to a church that was just a few blocks away. And I shall never forget it. We got out of the car and we walked up to this church, Salem Presbyterian Church. And I kid you not, and there were a lot of people there. Well, I say a lot, I mean, for, for a southern small town church, probably 80 or 90 people. And we, we walked in there and I kid you not, not a single person spoke to us. I don't even remember anybody even really looking at us. It was the most awkward experience I can ever remember. We went down, we, we, we sat on a pew. Oh, give it up to the Hillsboro campus for the pews. It's the only church we have now, the campus that we have that has, still has pews. Love me some pews. So we sat in on the pews, and uh, I, remember, I remember listening to the choir. I didn't understand a thing they sang about. I remember when the preacher came out, I didn't know better. I'm like, what is that dude doing? He's in a dress. I now know it's a clerical robe, right? He, all I remember is that it was the most awkward, uncomfortable hour of my childhood. We got finished with church. We got up and we walked out. And again, no one spoke to us. Not a single person spoke to our family. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not being judgmental. For all I know, it could have been a great church. All I know is that I walked away from there that day and our family never once talked about church again. And I've often wondered, again, I don't know why this is such a vivid memory for me. I've often wondered what could have happened if we had experienced a community like New Hope? What could have happened if we had people who would actually speak to us? We had people who would actually high-five us, engage us in conversations. And when I became a Christian many, many, many years later, I settled deep in my spirit that I would never, ever pastor a church that wasn't warm and friendly and open and hospitable to every single person who darkened the doors of the church. And I love that you're clapping right now. I love that about you. You know, what's interesting is when you study the Gospels, Jesus was given this title, and it wasn't an endearing title. Jesus was referred to often in the Gospels as a friend of sinners. And it was not enduring, and the, the Pharisees would criticize him because he hung out with sinners. According to the Pharisees, it was the most derogatory title that could be given to anyone. In their minds, Jesus was a friend of sinners, and therefore, he was unclean. He was despicable and unworthy to be in their religious club. And what I love about Jesus is it didn't faze him one bit. He knew he was to be about his father's business. And so Jesus kept hanging out with those who were far from God. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Now, this is the most amazing parable in the Gospels, in my opinion. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite parables in the Gospels. Jesus is hanging out with some Pharisees. He's in the prominent home of a, of a leader, a religious leader. 
and he starts to challenge them about their religious rules. He starts to challenge them about their belief about healing on the Sabbath. And they start to jockey for the most popular seats. You ever been at a table or at a restaurant or with a group and, and there's somebody there who's trying to jockey for the most important seats at the table? That's what they're doing. And Jesus kind of spots it all out and then he tells this parable. Verse 16, Luke 14. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yokes of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, hey, I just got married, so I can't come. I guess this is where the saying comes, excuses are a dime a dozen, right? Verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the what church? The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is what? There's still room. Lean in, lean in, church. This is so good. Then the master, and, and, and you know, in the parables, Jesus is the master almost all the time. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. May God bless the reading and applying of his word. Church, I should tell you this before I really get going today. <laughs> You would be hard-pressed to find a message for which I am more passionate than the message I'm gonna to talk to you about today. And maybe it's because of my story, right? Maybe it's because of that 11-year-old church experience that I had. We're in Luke chapter 14. Do you remember what's in Luke chapter 15? It's what scholars have often called the gospel within the gospel. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three more parables. There's a lost coin, there's a lost sheep, and there's a lost son. And in all three of the parables, the, the message is very clear. That which is lost requires an all-out search. Friends, I'm here to tell you today, there will only be one sign in the life of this church, only one sign that we make sure is always put out in this church, and here it is. It is the message of welcome. Come on, church. It is the message of welcome. If you were here three or four weeks ago, I don't remember how long I, I had this very same mat out before us. When you look at the church and when you study the gospels, there is only one message that should be clear to every single person who ever darkens the door of the church, regardless of anything, that they are welcome up in this house. It doesn't matter how old or young you are, you are welcome. It doesn't matter how much money you have, 
You are welcome. Let me look right into the camera for those of you who are watching online. You might have never come to a campus. You are welcome up in this place. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. You are welcome here. It doesn't matter what kind of house you live in. You are welcome here. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, how big you are, how strong you are, how smart you are, how physically limited you are. You are welcome here. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past, how many mistakes you've made. You are welcome here. And it doesn't matter what's going on in your present situation how good it might be, how bad it might be, how bright it may be, how dark it may be. You are welcome here. And listen, this is really, really important. It's one thing to say everyone is welcome here. It's another thing to actually live it out. I mean, words are a dime a dozen, right? A lot like excuses. It's very important that we continue to create a church where every single person feels welcome. And I gotta tell you, this is one of my concerns coming out of COVID. We've all kind of been conditioned for over a year, you know, stay away from people, right? We start treating people like lepers, like in the, in the New Testament time. And it's a, it's a great time for us to come back to the reality of who we are as a church. Listen, people matter to God. Therefore, they matter to us. And I gotta tell you, I just gotta give credit where credit is due. This church is unbelievable when it comes to this part of the message today. There's some challenge coming for us, don't worry. But if I can say anything about this church, and it's the God's honest truth, I have never, not just never pastored, no, 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 that's, that's the wrong way to put it. I've never been to a church more loving, more friendly, more welcoming than this church. And again, I love that you're clapping about that. We, um, we send out surveys to first-time guests, and um, it's great. So we get these back. We used to get them back hard copies. Now we get emails. So every, every week I get, I get some emails back. Here's, like, here's the last three that I received. And by the way, it's not like I'm hiding the bad ones. <laughs> no, th these, these are the only ones I've received recently. Here's one. Check this out. So it says age range. This is an elderly person. Not elderly. I'm sorry. This is not an elderly person. <laughs> that... <laughs> I didn't, you, you know what I, that, that I'm just gonna move on. That, that's, that's not an elderly person. They're 60 to 60, so they're a little older, a little more, how about this, a little more seasoned, a little more mature, a little more experienced, amen? Um, which, which the reason I point that out is because we wanna be a church that not only connects with young people, we wanna, yeah. <laughs> we wanna be a church that connects with more seasoned people, right? Um, did, do you, did, did you bring children? No. What did you notice first? The warm welcome. It felt as though I had my own personal welcome party from the parking lot to inside. That's what I'm talking about. That's what the corporate world calls customer service. Was your experience positive? Very, right? What did you like best? The overall friendliness, praise, and worship, and the delivery of the message. What did you like least? There was no least. New Hope checked all my boxes. Let's move to, let's look at the next one real quick. Just, just a couple more. These are very good for you to see. 
Age 26 to 35, did you bring children? Yes, they obviously had some bisque snatchers. What did you notice first? The music was awesome. Give it up for our music ministry at all of our campuses. Was your experience positive? Yes. What did you like best? The entire experience, the friendly people, the worship was great and the word was strong. What did you like least? Not applicable. Let's look at the final one. Again, I'm hiding none from you. These are the last three I received. Age 60 to 69, they brought children. I'm talking about some Abraham and Sarah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> what? Come on now. <laughs> now, for all we know, they could have some grandchildren, but you never know. What did you notice first? I love this. I love this. The first friendly greeter with the big hands waving and smiling when we first got to the parking lot. Mickey hands. Was your experience positive? Again, they said very. What did you like best? Like the combination of comfort, peace, the worship, and the word. Not applicable. What could be improved? Just, I love this. I love this statement. Just continue to do the vision of New Hope's God-ordained ministry. Come on and celebrate one more time. You give yourself a hand. Give yourself a hand. Every Sunday, this is why this is so important. Every Sunday at every campus, somebody shows up, more than one, and here's what they thought the night before in that morning. God, I'm gonna give you one more shot. And they show up sometimes having contemplated suicide the night before. They show up other times wanting to throw the towel in on their marriage. They show up other times and their kids are out in the far country. They show up other times and they've lost their job. And every single Sunday, people, God's people, come to a New Hope campus and they're giving God and his church one more shot. And it's why what we do is so very important. Eternity rests in the balance. And it makes an eternal difference on how we treat people. Now back to the text, back to Luke chapter 14. Now we do a great job with the first part. We roll out the carpet. New Hope, I'm so proud of you. Like for real. I've never encountered a church like you. Your heart is so big, so gracious, so generous, so warm, so welcoming, so hospitable. And I'm so very proud of you. But if you don't mind, if I can give credit where credit is due, can I also give challenge where challenge is due? Because this parable is so rich. The first part, hey, awesome job, well done, and let's get back to it now that we're back at it. But look at verse 23. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. Go out. Go out into the country lanes, into the cities, into your neighborhoods, into your workplaces, into the malls, into the parks. And here's a key word, compel. 
Leave that verse up there for a moment. Compel. Everybody say compel. Compel who? Them. Outsiders. Compel them to come in so that my house may be full. The church, not just this church, but I, I, believe, I believe this will fit for us right now. The church has been guilty over the years. Even if they got the first part right, the hospitality of the church. We've been guilty over the years of practicing what Bill Henson used to say down there in Texas, Texas forever. He used to say the church is guilty of, of practicing a kind of frog evangelism. He, he said, we sit on our pew pad, pads and we wait for guests to walk in. And when guests walk in, we all jump on them. And while that is important to, to be that hospitable, warm place, and again, don't you ever stop doing that. We miss something. We, we miss half of the thrust and the challenge of the gospel if we don't get out there and compel people to come in here. If we don't get out there and care for people, our neighbors, our family members, our colleagues, and compel them to come in here first. If you're a note taker, write this down. First, notice that we are to go out and compel people to come in. We love outsiders. We welcome anyone and everyone to this church. Can I hear a strong amen? That's the first part. It's not just come and see, come and see, come and see, come and see at the church. No, 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 no. It's go and be. It's go and be. It's why at the exit of every church campus, New Hope campus, we have a sign, you are entering the mission field. Hate to break it to you if you're not aware of this, but America is now the mission field. So it's not just come and see, it's, it's go and be. Here's the second thing. Notice, notice God wants his house. What church? Full. To which some of you, if you were honest with yourself, would say, I don't want his house full. Think about it. When we go to the gym, what? We try to time it so there aren't many people there. When we go to the grocery store, we pray there won't be many people there. When we go to Walmart, well, we never go to Walmart. <laughs> you want to make sure you're a Christian, go to Walmart on a Friday night at 9 p.m. You, before you leave, you will fall on your face and give your life to Christ again. I'm just saying. <laughs> But we, we, we like to avoid heavy traffic. We like to avoid heavy people. And we don't like places full. But God wants his house full. God wants his house full. And I can tell you, after doing this now for 20 years at New Hope, I've had to say goodbye to quite a few people who have said to me, I mean, like, honestly, said it to my face, we don't like a big church. We don't, we don't like all these people coming. They're different than us. I don't like that it's hard to find a parking spot. And I've had to actually let them leave because we shall never compromise the reality that God likes his house full. He likes his church full of people. And, 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 and listen, if you don't like a large church, I hate to break it to you, you're gonna hate heaven. 
Have you thought about this? Like heaven is going to be full. Go read Revelation 7. There's 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from another tribe. In fact, let's read it. Revelation 7. Revelation 7, 19 through 12. This is, this is John's heavenly vision. This is, this is powerful scripture. In fact, I'm gonna do something. Normally I do this at the beginning of the message, but this would, I just feel led right now. This, this, is, this is a vision of what it's gonna be like when we stand before God. So what do you say? What do you say? We stand. We stand in honor of God and his word. After this, I looked, and there before me was a small multitude. <laughs> was a great multitude that no one could count. We have counters at every campus. Counters, there are so many people, you couldn't count them. That no one could count. Oh, I love this. From Every, oh, you can read it with me, I love it. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. You sound great, church, let's continue. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne into the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the thrones and around the elders and the four living creatures. Get you some of this. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, amen. Praise his name, church. standing before the throne of God with a great multitude. Almost always, almost always, I'll have you seated in a moment, but don't miss this. Almost always when people have told me they're leaving because the church is getting too big, what they really meant was that they're leaving because people were showing up who didn't look like them who didn't act like them, who didn't smell like them, who didn't behave like them. And so they wanted to go to their little religious sanctimonious social club church where everybody looked the same. And there is nothing that got on the last nerves of Jesus Christ more than that. He hung out with people who didn't look like the religious establishment, who didn't act like the religious establishment, who didn't smell like the religious establishment. May it never be so. May it never be so. At New Hope, let the church say amen. Come on. You may be seated. Please don't miss this. The church is for everyone. To which some of you might not be convinced yet and you might say, well, where do you get that from? You're just kind of extrapolating that from a parable. No, 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 no. But if that didn't convince you, look at this, Acts 2.21. And I love the fact that you just started reading scripture on your own earlier, so we might as well keep it going. Ready? Go. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. Romans 1.16, keep it going. Come on, church. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to. Second oh. Peter 3.9, the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And you need to know this. You need to know that hell does not like a church like ours. You need to know that hell is offended when I get up here and talk about stuff like this. You need to know that right now, even as I'm speaking, kingdoms are clashing. Good against evil. Light against dark. And don't you know that Satan was gloating in COVID and he thought we were done. And little did he know that God was about to take online church to a whole nother level. And little did he know we would be right back here every single Sunday growing and advancing the kingdom and making sure we don't miss the fact that lost people matter to God. And therefore, they matter to us. We live in a culture that divides. We decided a long time ago we were going to be a part of a kingdom that unites. We are not culture-driven people. We are kingdom-driven people. Remember the series? We are people of the modernic, this upside-down, reverse-oriented kingdom the culture requires membership fees, members only, social clubs. The church swings wide its doors and says, come one, come all. Here's my entire message in a sentence. Here it is. A church for everyone makes room for anyone. Oh my, oh my, oh my. What's up, brother? That was good timing. Read it with me. A church for everyone makes room for anyone. One more time like you mean at church. A church for everyone makes room for anyone. Oh. Hey, um, three quick points of application and I'm done. Here we go. If you were here last week, you know that we had you write down three names. If you missed it, we wrote down three names of people that were in our sphere of influence that we wanted God to use us to reach. We all put them on these little cards. And if you weren't here, no worries. Take it out right now and type it into your notes section on your phone or whatever the case may be. Here's the first point of application. Pray over your invest and invite list. Those three names, I put five on my list. That's your invest and invite list. That's who you're gonna invest in you're going to build redemptive relationships with. You're going to do life with. They might use language you don't like. They might do things you don't like. It doesn't matter. See, see, in our, oh, this is not in my notes. But in our culture, everybody's all about loving everybody now. It's, it's, everything is gone in this, you know, warm, fuzzy, love, love, love. And I'm, I'm, you hear, that's in my heart. That's why I'm so proud of this church. You're the most loving church I've ever been around. But in our culture, we have confused loving everyone with condoning everything. 
Loving everyone, we've confused. If, I gotta, if I'm gonna love everyone, then I just gotta condone everything and it doesn't matter, anything goes, no! So don't mishear me. Some of you have been sitting there watching me closely today and you're like, what's he really saying? Is he saying it doesn't matter what they do? It doesn't matter what we do? No! Integrity, holiness, discipleship still matters. Jesus was all of those. But he hung out with people who weren't like that. And so should we. So pray over your invest and invite list and then build relationships with them and then invite them to church. Compel them to come in. Here's the second thing. Enter the mission field every Sunday and invest and invite, compel people to visit a New Hope campus. That's the invest and invite strategy. That's what we do. We go out, we hang out with people who are far from God. We hang out with people who don't necessarily believe, who don't behave. You can belong at the church before you believe. You can belong at the church before you behave. So we invite them in. We, we compel them to come. And listen, you shouldn't have a problem doing that because of all of the things I just said about how warm and welcoming our church is. You know you invite somebody to a New Hope campus and they're gonna have a great experience. On your way out today, hopefully every campus is gonna do this. I know they have them around and about. But on your way out, we're gonna hand you this invest and invite card. It's not the cards that we had last week that we put our names on. We always have these at the campuses. You can grab them anytime. In fact, I encourage you to grab more than one. And when you use them during the week, you come back to church on Sunday and you grab more. All it says is we can't wait to meet you. Join us this Sunday. It's got the, the, the worship celebration times and the address for each campus. And then on the front side, it says find hope here. You don't have to go out and beat somebody over the head with a Bible. It never was really effective anyway. All you got to do is love people, serve people. All you got to do is get out of your ecclesiastical ghetto where you're just hanging around Christians and do life with people who are far from God. And then when they see that you genuinely love them, you just say, hey, why don't you come to church with us? Here's a card. Bam. They're like, dude, he was thinking about me. Yes, we were. You want to take it to the next level? I'll pick you up. You want to take it to the next level? Take them to lunch after church. You want to take it to the next level? Pay the freaking bill. And tip well. And give one of these to the waitress or waiter. Dude, it's just about using your time to advance God's kingdom. And you let them know, this is a church where no perfect people are allowed. You ought to see our pastor. You can say that. <laughs> that just came to me. <laughs> Tell them, go, man, anybody's welcome. You ought to see our pastor. And, and, and just make them feel welcome. Here's the third and final thing. When they show up, meet 
and greet them with the warmest welcome, smile, and greeting that anyone could ever imagine receiving from the church. You might not be on the first contact team, listen, but if you're a new hoper, you're a greeter. When you walk from the parking lot to the worship center at any of our campuses, you say hey to people. You smile at people. You tell them, welcome to new hope. Why don't you say that with me? Welcome to new hope. One more time, welcome to new hope. On your way out, say it's great to see you. Hope you'll join us next Sunday. That's the family that God has created in and through Christ Jesus. Joe Aldrich, who studies the church more than anybody, said this, after being a Christian for two years, the average Christian no longer has a single significant relationship with a non-believer. And here's what's really scary. Sometimes churches and sometimes pastors learn to accept that reality. When I, um, story and I'm done. When I graduated from Duke, I got this awesome privilege to pastor this church out a little west of here. And it was one of those southern, small little churches. I'm preaching so hard, my bracelet just came off. But I'm glad I called it. And, uh, it was my first church as a senior pastor. I'd been in student ministry and I'd been an intern pastor at some churches, but it was my first church as the senior pastor. And I showed up all fired up, ready to go. And I was ready to charge hell with a water pistol, man. Here we go. <laughs> and, uh, and, and some people received it, but I quickly realized, and it's mainly around this message here, this theme, I quickly realized that some people didn't like this message. And especially in old school traditional churches, kind of like the one I went to when I was 11 years old. And I started casting this gospel-centric, love all people kind of message. And the good news, I got good news and bad news. The good news is revival broke out. And in three years, the church tripled. The bad news is some of the older established members... <laughs> on the board started cornering me and confronting me. We don't like all these people showing up, they would say. We, we're not crazy about having to park in the grass now because all the parking spots in the parking lot are done. I don't like coming in and somebody sitting in my spot. This is one of those churches that had those little gold plaques on the back of the pew, given in honor of grandma whatever. Every now and then we get asked if we're going to do that around here. No. Um, so I would, in every situation, I, I, I would try to, to be loving and humble and say, yeah, I, I understand, but, but look at the scriptures, you know, and, and I, I wasn't going, I was willing to die on that hill. And, and three years came and went and uh, God called me to start New Hope. So I was only there three years and after three years we left and we went up to Kentucky to do a little more schooling, to then come back and start New Hope Church. 
And uh, I kind of lost connection with the church, but I still ride out there sometimes on my motorcycle and sit out there, beautiful vista overlooking these hills and cemetery. I still go out there sometimes, especially on Sunday evenings. You see sometimes pictures from me online, just chilling out there. I kind of lost contact with the people in the church, but I would still go out there. Things about three years ago, they invited me back for homecoming. Remember those in the old traditional church, homecoming? Oh, glory to God. You show up and, and you go to the fellowship hall and you sit on those gray metal chairs. Oh, God, help us. And, you, and those, those plastic tables. And, but oh, the, the cooking is good, right? So they, they invited me back for homecoming just a few years ago. So about 18 years have passed since I was there. And so I, I was honored and I had a guest speaker come here that day and, and I rode out there and preached at at the old church for homecoming. I was excited, I was so excited. Preached in the message and I could tell things had changed, but I wasn't gonna judge, you know. Got finished and we were walking to the fellowship hall. I wanted some of, some of Nancy's fried chicken, I remember that. And the macaroni and cheese and the mashed potatoes. I was, I was ready, I was ready to eat. And one of, one of the ladies who used to confront me grabbed me on the sidewalk, walking from the sanctuary to the fellowship hall. And she goes, I've been wanting to see you. She goes, I don't know if you can tell, but all those people that came when you were here, they've left. And we got our church back. broke my heart and more importantly than my heart who cares about my heart that kind of attitude breaks the heart of God may it never ever ever seep into the new hope movement in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Pray with me. Father, where would any of us be if you weren't a friend of sinners? Thank you for the gospel and the grace that you've poured out in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing here at this church and thank you that the warmth and the love and the hospitality of this church far exceeds its name and goes out in the reputation of new hope. So Father, I pray two things today. I pray that we would continue to put out the welcome mat for anyone and everyone. But God, I believe the challenge for us today is that we would go back to our homes today, back to our neighborhoods, back to our apartments, back to our workplaces, back into our communities. And we would simply love people enough to care and that we would muster the courage and the boldness to hand them a card or just say, hey, we'd love to have you at New Hope. Check out our website, newhopechurch.org. Come join us. That we would live such lives 
that we compel your people to come to your house where they'll hear your word and receive the gospel, the life-saving, sin-forgiving, eternally securing gospel of Jesus. And we pray it all in his mighty name. Amen. Love you, church.